A surge in jobs is set to trigger more rate rises. Opposition leader Peter Dutton suspends Liberal Senator David Van from the party room after further allegations about his behaviour. And a record year for population growth. It's Friday, the 16th of June, 2023. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Sean, I'm really excited about today's interview. It is a really, really good, interesting interview chat. As they always are. As they always are. I know, but I feel like I almost need to separate this one and say this is particularly exciting because you're talking with uh, Jai Smith, who is the Managing Director of Brand Agency Double Star Co. Yes, we're talking about brands and the importance of brands, what they convey, how to get a good one. I ask him to help fear and greed out in terms of how we might convey ourselves in a brand sense. It was a very, how do I put this? Um, enlightening? Enlightening, but it was actually in plain English. So often when yes. you talk to some marketing types, there's a lot of uh, words that I've struggled to understand, where as uh, in this case, Jai was able to put it in very plain English about what brands mean. He uses a great example about National Geographic, actually, a lot of, knows a lot about National Geographic and why that brand works. So just a really interesting chat. Yeah, and at no point did he refer to it as going on a brand journey. Yeah, the word journey was not mentioned. In fact, journey should just be banned. Let's ban it from this moment. Journey shall never be mentioned on fear and greed. Okay. Done. All right, now that is coming up a little bit later on. It is definitely worth a listen. I think you probably got that message by now. Uh, The main story, though, this morning, Sean, is a big one. The strongest jobs growth in almost a year has pushed the unemployment rate lower and increased the likelihood of more rate rises in coming months. Yes, the labour market has certainly been on quite the journey. Employment (laughs) rose by 75,900 in May, way higher than expected, demonstrating that the labour market remains strong. Sorry, Michael, I couldn't help myself. You you just, you really couldn't resist, (laughs) could you? You lasted, what, 12 seconds, which is a record. Okay, sorry. Well, let's get back to the uh, the business of telling the news here. So employment rose by 75,900 in May, way higher than expected, demonstrating that the labour market remains very strong. There are now more than 1 million more people employed compared to pre-pandemic. Full-time jobs rose last month by almost 62,000 and part-time roles were up 14,000. Jobs growth has now averaged about 0.3% each month over the past three months. Not quite as high as it was, but still very solid. The unemployment rate fell to 3.6% from 3.7%. The participation rate, the number of people looking for jobs, hit a record high, confirming that the labour market is very, very tight. The labour force figures are lagging indicators, of course, backward looking. The forwarding indicators, things like job advertisements and business hiring intentions, suggest the employment market will slow. But seems it will remain robust for some time yet. Oh, I know this is high risk, Sean, but I'm, I'm again asking for an economics lesson here. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, sometimes when you, when, you, when you say these things, I, I'm listening and I, it's like my brain is, is trying to race to keep up with you. Uh, so I just want to make sense of all of this. Uh, this was a lot higher than was expected. You, you mentioned that. Why have they come in so much higher? Well, Labor force figures are actually very volatile. So the expectation was about 17 or 18,000 new jobs. This is coming at 76,000 new jobs. No one is sort of, I mean, maybe people have a model to predict this, but it's kind of a bit 
thumb in the air and see what happens and particularly employment numbers because they go up and down and they get revised, that type of thing. That's kind of why I mentioned the three months, the 0.3% each in the past three months because it is actually better to look at the trend rather than the monthly numbers. Even looking at the trend, the market probably isn't as hot as it was, but it's still pretty hot. So I don't know whether I've really answered your question there because it's a fair question, but actually getting an exact number, I mean, very few people ever actually pick the exact number. So you're better looking at the trend. Okay. But all of the other um, information then that we have seen, you mentioned then that we had business hiring intentions, but we've also seen that the broader kind of business confidence, yeah, which was dropping. Yeah. You would expect then that there would not be as many people being employed in coming months based on that. You you tend to get jobs growth anyway, but you are right in as much as the pace of jobs growth won't be as great when you don't have as many job ads out there or hiring tensions are falling. So yes, that's correct. Okay. All right. Look, uh, can you actually hear the cogs turning? Me <laughs> just trying to process this <laughs> because every month we go through this and every month is this new set of set of data. And I just, I, I think I was actually genuinely a bit surprised by how, uh, how many jobs there were. And yeah. look, if I'm surprised, Sean, then the next logical question is what will the Reserve Bank think? Uh, I bet they were surprised. I mean, they'll be worried about wages growth. Low unemployment tends to push up wages, and there's already plenty of pressure in that department given the recent Fair Work Commission decision on award wages. Wages put pressure on inflation. It's as simple as that. So more rate hikes are likely, with economists forecasting somewhere between one and four 25 basis point hikes over the rest of this year. Now, I think most people think that there'll be one next month. This is The Economist at least. Uh, whether they think there'll be a lot more really depends on the individual. The most recent economic growth figures show that the economy is definitely slowing and the fear is that more rate rises pushes the economy into a recession. That is definitely a possibility. Mind you, while people have jobs, that seems less likely. Okay. Uh, how did local markets, Sean, respond to the news yesterday? Well, bond markets are the ones that move mostly on interest rates and they immediately sold off, which basically pushes market interest rates higher. If you look at that, traders now think there's a 60 to 65% chance of a 25 basis point hike in July. Market economists think the likelihood is greater. The Aussie dollar pushed back above 68 US cents, Michael. It had fallen earlier in the morning after the US Federal Reserve kept rates on hold as expected, but the US Fed was much less clear about whether there will be any further rate hikes. The labor force numbers, when they came out, that pushed the Aussie dollar higher. On the share market, the S&P ASX 200 spiked in early trading, fell ahead of the 11.30 a.m. announcement yesterday, and then trended higher during the afternoon to finish up just a touch to 7,175 points. Healthcare stocks were the worst performers, while tech stocks were the best. Not a huge amount going on really. The coal companies did well, notwithstanding some negative commentary around the place about prices. New Hope, Coronado, Global Resources and Whitehaven were all sharply higher. Interesting one, Australia's largest rail freight operator, Horizon, rallied to its highest level in four months after it was upgraded by brokers. Its share price ended more than 4% higher. The best in the day was insurer IAG. It was up 4.6%. What I just want to mention, Property Funds House Charter Hall it reported a 2.8% fall in property values across its $72 billion real estate empire. Now, the company said that about 98% of all its properties 
have been independently valued. We've been talking about this, particularly around the super funds, the idea that fund managers, super funds, people like Charter Hall need to make sure that on their books, the value of the assets, the buildings, are appropriate as opposed to inflated because prices have come down during COVID. Anyway, that's what Charter Hall did yesterday. It said that its property values were down only 3%. So that actually provides a bit of reassurance then. It does. And I mean, I'm not here to question Charter Hall. One of the big issues when you revalue is you base it off recent sales and the challenging commercial properties that no one's selling because prices are lower. So why would you sell? You don't need to. So the most recent sales might not be last week. It actually might be last year or two years ago. So there's still question marks around that. God, I'm learning a lot today, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I'm right. (laughs) Me too. Either way, you're taking us on a journey, that's for sure. International markets, (laughs) what else is going on? Well, it was all about the US Fed's decision to pause on interest rates, the first pause in 15 months. That wasn't unexpected, but market watchers said the commentary was less supportive of further rate rises. Chair Jerome Powell said it may make sense for rates to move higher at a more moderate pace. He said while speed was important last year, it's now reasonable to go slower and there are benefits to moderating the pace of those hikes. Now, the US labour market, like the Aussie labour market, remains strong, something Powell noted, but there's just a bit less clear the trajectory of rate rises in the US. Meanwhile, China's economic recovery weakened last month as growth in industrial output and retail sales slowed. It came as authorities took further steps to lower interest rates in an effort to boost the world's second largest economy. And while we're on it, New Zealand, it's officially in recession with a 0.1% contraction in growth last quarter. That followed a 0.7% contraction in the December quarter. Of course, two consecutive quarters of negative growth makes a recession. New Zealand led the world in raising rates to combat the post-pandemic inflation wave. Now it's leading the world in heading into a recession. Hmm. And just finally, on commodity markets, oil is unchanged, gold is lower, and iron ore prices remain strong. Sean, I think you need a cup of tea. That's a, oh, I do. That's a big start to the show. Sure is. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, opposition leader Peter Dutton yesterday suspended Liberal Senator David Van from the party room after further allegations about his behaviour emerged. That followed Wednesday's claim in Parliament by Independent Senator Lydia Thorpe that he had harassed and sexually assaulted her, claims she later withdrew and Van rejected, saying they were a lie. Peter Dutton yesterday afternoon said there had been further allegations about Senator Van and Dutton had advised him of his decision that he should no longer sit in the Liberal Party room. It means he's on the crossbenches. Senator Van has strenuously denied Senator Thorpe's allegations, but agreed to leave the party room to minimise damage to the opposition. Dutton himself said that the decision for him to leave the party room or ask him to leave the party room certainly bore no consequence in terms of what his view of Senator Van and the allegations were. Yesterday, Senator Thorpe in the Senate spoke of how she had faced sexual comments and had been inappropriately propositioned in corridors and stairwells of Parliament House in a very emotional speech. She said Senator Van was among a number of men in Parliament who made her feel unsafe in the building. 
She said, and I quote, I experienced sexual comments and was inappropriately propositioned by powerful men. One man followed me and cornered me in a stairwell. There are different understandings of what amounts to sexual assault and what I experienced has been being followed, aggressively propositioned and inappropriately touched. All right, very serious story there, Sean. Now, Australia experienced the biggest jump in population ever last year following the end of COVID and despite a rise in the number of deaths and a drop-off in births. The country's population expanded by almost 500,000 people last year, taking the total number to 26.27 million, according to the Bureau of Statistics. Now, migration was the main reason for the rise. Australia recorded a net gain of 387,700 people, Almost 620,000 people migrated to Australia, while 233,000 left the country. High immigration numbers are expected to continue as more students come into the country. The overall population growth was 1.93%. That was the highest since 2008, while the actual number, 497,756, was the highest annual intake ever. There was also a surge in deaths last year, up from 165,000 pre-COVID to 191,000. The ABS put that in part down to COVID-related illnesses, particularly the increase, and the number of births was down 14,500 on the year before to just under 301,000. Okay, I'm just doing the maths here, Sean. Um, So this is for 2022, the calendar year. Yes. Which means then that 2021, which was a lockdown a year, a lot of lockdowns still in that year. I know where you're going here. I know where you're going. I don't think you should, but go. That wasn't the lockdown baby boom that many people expected, which means clearly there was too much good stuff on Netflix instead. That was it. Or the actual reason people were worried about the economy. People don't have kids when they're worried about the economy. I definitely prefer my reason. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Netflix. Ted Lasso, come on down. Goodness me. All right, Sean, Australia's richest person, Gina Reinhart, has done a deal to buy up to a 51% stake in the Mount Bevan Lithium Project in Western Australia. That's a project that targets supplying Indian buyers. Reinhardt held a one-on-one meeting with Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister of India, last month when he was out visiting, and looks like it may well pay dividends. Thus far, Reinhardt hasn't really involved herself in lithium mining. Mostly it's about iron ore and agricultural property for Gina, but she has now bought a small stake in the Mount Bevan project. And yesterday that mine did a deal to sell most of the lithium it produces to India to boost that country's critical mineral supply chain. Reinhardt has the option to take her stake to 51% if certain exploration and development milestones are hit. It's going to be really interesting just to see how this one develops. Home Affairs and Cybersecurity Minister Claire O'Neill and Prime Minister Anthony Albanese yesterday announced a new bill, Sean, to block a proposed second Russian embassy. This is interesting. Yes. O'Neill said the bill identifies a specific piece of land in Canberra, which currently has a lease agreement between the National Capital Authority and the Russian Federation. Now, the bill terminates that lease agreement. Back in May a federal court decision found that the National Capital Authority's eviction of the Russian Federation from the site was invalid. Hence, we have legislation about it. Anil said the principal problem with the proposed second Russian embassy in Canberra is its location, directly adjacent to Parliament House, and the government has received advice that this is a threat 
to national security. Australian Vintage, the maker of top-selling wine McGuigan, has warned its annual profit is set to almost halve as it faces a big jump in costs that it, that it hasn't been able to pass on to consumers. Now, I'm not sure whether they'd be happy or sad about this story. I mean, I want Australian Vintage to do well, but I like the fact that we're not paying more for wine. <laughs> How about you always finding a silver lining? That's right. That's right. It's the latest discretionary retailer to demonstrate a slowdown in the spending habits of consumers. Australian Vintage yesterday said lower vintage and throughput, caused partly by poor weather conditions, would force write-offs at its wineries. As corporate debt remains high at the company, Australian Vintage will also suspend future dividend payments. Now, last month, Treasury Wines, maker of Penfolds, Wolf Blast and Lindemans, issued a profit warning off the back of slower sales and weaker consumer sentiment. We've seen plenty of other retailers do so recently. Domino's Pizza, Michael Hill Jewelers, Maggie Beer Foods, Universal Store, Baby Bunting, even West Farmers. So the top of this show, we talked about very strong labour market, potential for rising interest rates. The real economy on the street, there is plenty of evidence that there's a big slowdown going on. And finally, Sean, the liquidators of collapsed builder Porter Davis Homes Group says that unsecured creditors owed more than $71 million are unlikely to be paid, but the Commonwealth Bank will probably get the almost $33 million that it's owed. The findings mean that tradies and subbies that were hit by the company failure will be left empty-handed and not all customers will be covered as most of the funds in the $147 million collapse are not likely to be recovered. The Melbourne-based home builder fell into the hands of liquidators Grant Thornton in March. There was about 1,700 projects in limbo in Victoria and Queensland. It had signed another 779 contracts, according to a report in The Australian. The Porter Davis home building empire is now being broken up with builders taking on jobs they believe can be turned into profitable work at a time when the industry faces a crisis from rising costs and financial pressure. All right, now turning to international news, Sean, big story. Former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson will be found to have committed multiple contempts of parliament in a report by MPs into his conduct as Prime Minister during the Partygate scandal. We talked a lot about that at the time. Sure did. According to a report in the Financial Times, Johnson had made a number of contempts of parliament, including being found to have misled MPs in statements he made in the Commons about Downing Street parties held during coronavirus lockdowns. The committee has been looking into whether Johnson deliberately misled parliament after stating while Prime Minister that COVID-19 rules were followed at all times. Now, of course, that followed media reports of number 10 gatherings held during the pandemic. Johnson announced on Friday he was immediately stepping down as a Conservative MP He accused the cross-party committee of behaving like a kangaroo court engaged in a political hit job against him. While the committee does have power to recommend sanctions against MPs, including suspension from Commons, Johnson's decision to quit pretty much preempts such an outcome. All right, now up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview with Jai Smith from brand agency Double Star Co. All about brands, what they can do for you, how you can develop a good one, particularly, and all in plain English, as we said at the top of the show, well worth a listen, this one. Yeah, sure is. It's coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Very quickly, Sean, remember yesterday we were talking about Maggie Beer and her expansion into garden implements and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you uh, went on for a bit about how much you love wooden spoons. Went on for a bit. Yeah. Go on. Yes, yes, yes. And about how wooden spoons have never changed. And I said they, they're outdated and that silicon tongs and things are just so much more better. 
more better. Yep. Yeah. Well, yep. Wendy wrote to us via LinkedIn. And she said, uh, hi, guys, just listened to today's episode. And you mentioned that silicon tools in the kitchen are the best. But from personal experience, I counter your comment. I feel like this is very much targeted towards me. I have had silicon tongs washed in the dishwasher. And after a few times of washing, you will smell the detergent used on your tongs and also on the food that you use the tongs to grab with. So therefore, I suppose I, I withdraw my comments that silicon tongs and silicon uh, kitchen implements are better than wooden spoons. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say I was right, but Michael, mm. I was right. Mm. Yes, well, mm. 2,000 years of history for the wooden spoon <laughs> clearly isn't wrong. All right. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Friday, the 16th of June, 2023. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.